Church, you guys can have a seat for a minute. Uh, I just want to say welcome to everyone. Uh, if you're joining us online, if you're in the room, especially if you're new with us, uh, my name is Rodney, and I'm excited to be with you guys today. Uh, we're going to get started a little bit differently today. I'm going to need a little bit of help up here. Um, so if your name is Nick or Fred, uh, and then Josh and Jamie, if you'd bring your whole row, if all you guys would come up up here, come on up here in front of the piano here. Um, just kind of gather up right in front of the piano. Um, you're not safe anywhere, Nick. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we're in our, our missions month. Uh, we're working under this this uh, series called And. And if you're if you are new with us, you'll get a little bit of a taste during this month of what we're all about as a church and what we're all about as followers of Christ. Now, uh, I've asked our friends to come up this morning uh, to to help with a little experiment. Uh, they don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. So. Uh, this might go terribly wrong. This is, this is live, but, but if, it, if it does go terribly wrong, at least it will be very riveting entertainment for all of you uh, who are in the room with us, okay? So, are you guys ready for this experiment? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Make a circle. Make a circle. All right. Well done. Does this look like a circle to you guys? All right, good job. Okay. Any other way you can make it? You guys happy with that? make lots of little circles. Okay, very good. I, I want to I tell you guys some good news. You are normal. The experiment has gone well. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. We have some coffee and tea for you on the bar outside, so th thank you so much. You guys, you guys can head back to your seats. <clears throat> so what, the, way that we, the reason we started uh, with, with this uh, silly little experiment to, 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 start, to start off here is this is to bring out a tendency that we all have. Every one of us in this room, you, me, every single one of us has a tendency when we make circles is to do exactly what they did and to make an inward facing circle. And in, in the real life part of this is what we tend to do, again, all of us as human beings, we will circle up and we will focus on each other and we'll focus on myself and kind of think about what are our interests and kind of ignore everyone else, everyone else that is outside the circle. That is a normal tendency for all of us. And, and that would be just fine if we were a club or if we were a neighborhood association or a sports team or any other kind of group, but we're not. We're not a club. We're not a neighborhood association or a sports team. We are a church. And as a church, once you follow Jesus together, we are called to make circles, but we're called to make them differently. Now, if we look at the New Testament and we see some of the different commands in Scripture, we might be a little bit confused about what kind of circles that we should make. So let's say that you're reading through the New Testament, and you get to the words of Jesus in John 13. Jesus says this in verse 35. He says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, that would seem to indicate that we might need to make circles just like they did, inward-facing circles. And if, if we don't, how else will we get to know each other and love one another deeply? How will we have authenticity in our relationships with each other? Jesus said this is how the world is going to know who you are and who you follow, is, is by how you relate to each other. Going further in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 says this, verses 24 and 25, he says, let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we see a lot of things in the New Testament 
that really seem to indicate that's the kind of circle that we should make, is, is these inward-facing circles. But then we look at other passages that seem to say the opposite. Last week, we were reminded of Jesus' words, his last words to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, that was to go and make disciples, make disciples of all the nations. We, we saw also in Revelation kind of this picture of the end, where, where all nations, all languages, all tribes are together worshiping God in this, this great unity together. Well, that doesn't happen if we just make these circles and just look at each other and, and don't do anything else about it. So, so there's, there, there's, there's this, this seeming uh, conflict, there's this tension, this seeming contradiction even, that are we to love or are we to go? Should we be making our circles inward-facing or outward-facing? What kind of circles are we supposed to make? And the answer is this. The answer is both. We are to do both. This is a tension to manage. It's not a problem that we are supposed to solve. Now, no doubt there, there will be a need for us to circle up together and be with each other. And as we say, one another, one another. There's all these one another commands in the New Testament. Love one another, serve to one another, serve one another, give to one another, help one another. All these one another's in the New Testament. We, uh, we have a great example of this this weekend, man camp. There's a few of the guys that, that have made it in from, from camp. As far as I know, we didn't lose anybody this weekend, but uh, we got a picture of the, uh, the, the fire last night. It was a beautiful fire, and uh, the guys circled around, and, and they were literally sitting in a circle, and we were talking to each other next to each other and across the circle and, and sharing stories. One, one guy shared a, a little bit longer version of, of his story and how God intersected in his life. And, and we need to make those kinds of circles. Uh, one other picture that I just want to share with you guys is this, if you wonder what, what do they do at man camp, well, this is Jonathan roasting marshmallows on a pitchfork. So it was, it was very efficient. We had eight, eight done at one time. <laughs> so, so the things like man camp, okay, things like our community groups, things like two people going to coffee with each other and, and, and spending time with each other and, and growing in their knowledge of each other and their love for each other, their unity, their appreciation for each other, those are, are important things to make those kind of circles. But if we stop there, if we don't move on from there until we feel we have that perfected, then we'll never get about the mission that Jesus has for us in the world, joining him as his family to go outside his family and, and bring this good news message. So we may never strike that perfect balance, but we do strive for that. This is a tension to be managed more than it is a problem to be solved. So as we, as we approach missions, we need to manage and even embrace this inward-outward tension. It's both. It's and. and. And that's true of the different themes that we're looking at this month. We're working under this theme of and, A-N-D. So th there are important things that we tend sometimes to separate or even to pit against one another or, or to prioritize one so much that it overshadows the other. And rather, we want to say, no, there's, there's a way that these things work together. There may be a tension between them. They may even seem contradictory in some ways, but they work together. The, two weeks ago, we started with good news and good works, that we have a gospel, a good news message about Jesus Christ that is to be shared, that's to be shared verbally, is to be written down and sent in communication. It, it's to be shared as news. But there's also good works that we want people to see in tangible ways the love that Christ has for us. And, and so, so which is it? And, and we can fall off one side or the other if, if we're, we're really not seeing how these things ideally fit together, that it's not an either or, it's a both and. Last week, we looked at reaching and teaching. So in the Great Commission, Jesus told his followers 
to go into to go to all the nations so to reach them with the good news but also to teach them everything that Jesus had commanded and so Rafik from uh, the Middle East brought us some incredible reports and stories of how that's happening how they're not just reaching people and then just moving on and reaching more people but how they're reaching them and then they begin to teach them and they're making disciples of Jesus in that way and it's having a tremendous er uh, impact in the Arab world well, today we're going to look at a very familiar passage together, and, and it's it maybe in a way that's a little bit less familiar. We'll draw some application for that, for how that affects us here at New Life, and, and how we can approach the, the whole idea of missions. So we're going to look at maybe some, some less familiar aspects of, of this familiar passage. So if you have a Bible, or if you have an app, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. That's further towards the back of your Bible. So you see the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then there's Acts. And as you may know, Luke is the author of Acts, so it's kind of, it's kind of like Luke part two, okay? So he wrote the Gospel of Luke that, that tracks Jesus' life on earth and then picks up in Acts chapter one where Jesus is just about uh, to ascend to heaven and then it, it, through the rest of, of the, the book of Acts, it, it tracks how the church began to grow and to spread and the news about him uh, uh, began to go out into the world. So Acts chapter one. We'll start reading together in verse 1. And if you don't have that in front of you, uh, these words will be on the screen as well. Verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, so Luke is writing to someone named Theophilus, and he's talking about his first book, the Gospel of Luke. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So that's the quick recap of the first book, the Gospel of Luke. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So the apostles were this group of 11. It's, it's 12 minus 1, so Judas who betrayed Jesus. Uh, so now there's, there's 11 apostles who had done everything with Jesus, and they, they had walked with him and were sent out by him. To them, the apostles, verse 3, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, staying with the 11 apostles, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they were still waiting for Israel to rise up against the Roman Empire that was occupying their land, and they were looking for that kind of a kingdom. Uh, and, and Jesus was actually establishing a different kind of kingdom. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father, God the Father, is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Imagine this scene as, the, as they're hearing this from Jesus, and then he starts to be lifted up. As, uh, as, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, there's so much that we could focus on here. There's about 20 different directions we could go from this short passage. But in our brief time this morning, we're going to look just at one verse that's a really key verse for how we approach missions at New Life. And then we'll see a little bit of application for our lives. So we're just going to do a little mini Bible study on just a couple of aspects of this. 
and, and then we'll draw some application for us as a church, and then uh, we'll be on our way this morning. So the first word, where we'll start, uh, is, is in verse 8, is the word you. The word you. Now, in the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is the translation that you see up on the screens, we see the word you three times. So let's look at that together. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, anytime we study a passage or even a verse or a word in the Bible, one of the things that we often forget is our basic English. Okay, we, we do believe that the words of Scripture are inspired by God, and then they're translated from mostly Hebrew and Greek into modern languages, so English and other, other languages. And so every aspect of that is important. So we're going to talk just for a minute about grammar. We're going to talk second person singular and second person plural. Are you guys excited? All right. So I think maybe a lot of you maybe had a C in your last English class in high school, and maybe we don't have a lot of English teachers in here, but hang with me for a minute. Don't, don't, don't go to sleep uh, during this part. We're going to talk a little bit of grammar and see why this is important. Now remember, the first person is I in the singular and we in the plural, Okay. Third person is he, she, or it in the singular, and they in the plural. Well, what is second person? Well, languages approach these in different ways, but in English, second person singular and second person plural can be the exact same word, you, right? So how do you know in English if you're talking to somebody or they're talking to you, if they're talking to you, singular, as a person, or if they're talking to you, a group of people? Well, you either know through context, you know about the, the, you're just reading the situation and who are they talking to here, or you have to use a form of that that removes that ambiguity. So in the South, we have a way of doing that, don't we? What do we say? We, we say, y'all. That's right. We say y'all in the South. Now, I, there's two things I want you to get today. One is how Acts 1-8 applies to us as a church. The second one is that the spelling of y'all is Y apostrophe A-L-L. It's not Y-A, I see that hand. It's not Y-A apostrophe L-L, okay? Um, that's just a little pet peeve, and it's, that's something that I just want to clarify because I have the opportunity. Um, it's, we'll, we'll talk contractions next week, okay? But y'all is Y apostrophe A-L-L. That's not considered proper English grammar, but it does make it clear. So listen to that verse again. Verse 8, but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all. And y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, we don't think about Jesus speaking like that, but he was from a small town, I will say, and from the south of Israel, so it, it, it kind of correlates. But, but other than kind of sounding a little funny, why is that important? Well, how much more encouraging is it that Jesus gave us this job as witnesses and gave us the Great Commission to do together and not just on our own? He promises his followers, he promises the power of his Holy Spirit working in them, and he gave this to them in the plural, as a whole, as a group. So this, this means that what we looked at last week, the Great Commission, that's not on your shoulders as an individual, and it's not on my shoulders. It's something that's on our shoulders collectively with the power of God giving us that strength and ability to do it, and we get to do this together. And we have different gifts we have different strengths, we have different capacities, but we get to be on mission together, teaming up with each other in our local church body, across other local bodies, around the world, and empowered by God's Spirit. I don't know about you, but that is, for me, incredibly life-giving, that's encouraging, it's exciting that this is a you plural command that Jesus gives and not a you 
singular command. It's just too often in Western cultures, we just, we, we think of everything in terms of me, myself, I, just the individual. And certainly there are, there are personal applications that we all need to own this individually. But if you see, and if you, if you pay attention when you, when you read in scripture, you will see this, you plural, everywhere. It's all over the Bible that the majority of yous that you'll read in the New Testament are actually y'alls because the church is designed to function as a family, as a, as a team together. That's why we call it, when you join New Life officially, you are a team member. That's what we call membership. Now, I'm telling you, this will change the way that you read scripture and understand what God has to say to us when, when, you, when you infer the, the you plural, more, more just than what he has to say to you and me individually. Now, one of the coolest tools that I know of that will bring this out, it, I want to share with you really quickly. It has app in the name, but it's actually a website. It's called BibleWebApp.com. BibleWebApp.com. You can go there, or you, or you can write this down, check it out later. It's a great tool to use to compare Bible versions, but the greatest thing, it's a function called the second person plural function where you can, in the settings, mess around with it and choose your version that you prefer of the second person plural. So you see, you'll see that on the screen here, I, did anybody in here heard yins? Anybody know yins? There's a few? Okay, I, that was totally new to me. I, I, I didn't know about that. Somebody in the first service told me that uh, there's a typo in there. It's not Chicago, New York. It's, it's New York, New Jersey, it should be. Um, but but if, if, if you're, you're not used to saying y'all or you can't bring yourself to say that, they've got you covered as well. So let's look at Acts 1-8 and let's apply New York, New Jersey, second person plural, to that together. So let's, let's read this together. Let's put this up on the screens, verse 8. You ready? Let's go. But you guys will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you guys, and you guys will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And I love thinking about in, in, in verse 11, <laughs> I'll just read this one. It says, men of Galilee, why do you guys stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you guys into heaven will come in the same way as you guys saw him go into heaven. Like, is, doesn't that just change the way that it sounds and the way that it feels, Right? And not to leave our friends from across the pond out, uh, you, you can pick the UK, the, the real English, in honor of, of Laura Beth, who I don't think is here with us today. Uh, but I, I think people in England would say, you lot, okay? So, but you lot will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you lot. So, John, is that, is that accurate? Is that sim- it depends on where you, where, where, what, what region you're from. Okay, so John can be the authoritative on that. But, but I, I hope that you will go to that website and, and, and play around with that and have some fun with it. But in all seriousness, there is a critical truth that that does help to bring out that we often neglect. While we talk about making disciples of all nations and being Jesus' witnesses, it's both. It's both you and y'all. Missions is for you and y'all, each of us individually and all of us collectively. So Jesus' command has personal application, but it's given to his followers to be carried out as a team together. Now, not every Christian can do everything himself or herself, and not every church can do everything, but when we work together and use our different giftings and approach this as a y'all thing, by the power of God's Spirit, we can do a lot together. Now, think about it this way. In this room, there are lots of different passions, lots of different hearts for ministry, lots of of, of different things that that you might prioritize, And, and there is a ton to be done in our world today. You may have a heart for foster care and adoption. You might really be, be stirred towards widows or, or people facing issues related to poverty. 
or refugees and immigrants that are coming into our country? What about those who are oppressed? So those who are, are, are basically in a modern-day form of slavery, that they're trapped in that and need to be rescued. Maybe the Lord would lead you to be involved in education, literacy. Maybe he wants you to focus on senior adults or people with disabilities or those who are, are struggling with behavioral health, mental health, those kinds of things. Maybe you want to strengthen families or focus on health care or those experiencing homelessness or affordable housing or transitional living or job training, employment, prison ministry, those who are survivors of human trafficking. What about teenagers, college students, those who, who are younger people who are growing up without the gospel and, and, and the challenges that they're facing, like bullying, like, like uh, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. What about the horrendous damage of pornography and what that's doing in our culture? Who's going to focus their efforts on that? What about disaster relief? Those who have lost homes, those who have lost their livelihoods. Maybe God has given you a passion for, for sports, for, for fitness, for wellness. Maybe it's justice and advocacy. This doesn't even scratch the surface of your coworker or your neighbor or your family member who does not have a saving knowledge of Christ and needs to have that new life shared with them, that opportunity for spiritual birth. What about Bible translation? We're talking about second person plural. What about those who don't have anything in their language of God's word and they have no way to hear from them in the language they most understand? What about unreached people groups with, with no church among them for thousands maybe millions of people. Is anybody feeling overwhelmed at this point? I am. I think about these things. It can, it can be pretty overwhelming in no time. But every one of these things and more are things that need to be done, right? I mean, these, those are things that are important. They involve real people who are important and valuable to God, people who need help, people who especially need to know God. But there's just so much. So what do we do about that? Several years ago, I was in India. I don't know if you've been to India before, but you, you want to talk about overwhelming. It is a place that overwhelms every sense that you have. And, and one day, we went into, the, the group that I was with went into a slum area, one of the largest in the country, but, but one of many, with a wonderful Indian leader named Ramesh. And when we walked into this slum area, our senses were just assaulted. I mean, just everything that we saw, just we, we could hardly even process the abject poverty that we saw. The smell was just enough to, to shut us down. We, we could barely even think because it smelled so bad. What we were walking through, I, I'm not sure what it was. It was some kind of muddy, mucky something, and, and there was not proper sewage. And so we, we were trying not to think about that too much, but this, this, this muck that we were walking through, there was no color. Everything was just kind of brown, drab, dirty, dusty, there were small pots of food being cooked, very small pots of rice, maybe a few lentils. And ev almost everyone in that slum was Hindu or possibly there were some who were Muslim. In the middle of this slum, there's one little schoolhouse with one teacher and one local pastor who was trying to reach out to all of these people. So many issues to address, spiritual lostness, every physical, mental, emotional need that you can think of. And after a brief visit, we were getting back into our vehicle, and I, and I looked at Ramesh, and, and I just asked him, I said, how do you do this? I said, don't you just feel absolutely overwhelmed every single day by all this? And Ramesh paused, 
And he looked at me, he thought for a second, and then he smiled. He said, I think that must be what the apostles felt too. And that's all he needed to say. That Jesus delivered these last words to those 11, and it was them and a few others, and then an entire world that needed to hear about Christ, an entire world that was broken, that we're dealing with all of these challenges that, that we have with us today and, and many more, an entire world to reach. And it would have been overwhelming for them, but they had three things. They had God's word. They had God's spirit, which was sent in Acts 2. We can read the story of when the spirit came down and to inhabit those who were following him. And third, they had each other, the 11 and the handful of other believers who followed him. And then look what happened. We can read the story through the rest of Acts and then continue the story through history as we track how the gospel spread and the church was planted in, in many different nations and many different peoples and in key cities. And then over the centuries, it, it hopped over the ocean and, and spread in our country. And here we are sitting here today talking about these things when it's had such, such tiny, meager beginnings. But today in the slums of India, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and around the world, by the power of God's Spirit and his followers working together, Jesus is accomplishing his mission. And it's a worldwide movement that despite great challenges, there are absolutely great challenges, it is not slowing down, it's not fizzling out, there is a ton left to be done. But if we embrace this, this y'all idea, and we do this together, making circles together unified, but then facing outward and moving out together, amazing things are possible by the power of God's Spirit working through us. And do you know that we have people at New Life, team members here who were involved in just about every ministry area that I listed above and, and more beyond that. There are brothers and sisters in our church who, who are addressing these things. There's, there's just about everything on that list that we talked about. College students, poverty, Bible translation, mental health, adoption, anti-trafficking, sending and supporting missionaries. There are so many people in our body who are doing these things. And some of you are doing that vocationally. Some are, are, are doing that uh, volunteering and, and, and doing that as, as a, a natural part of your life. But let me encourage you guys, we are doing this as a church. And if you're not involved yet in some way, this is not a, a, a guilt trip or a slap in the face. It's an invitation to say, we're doing things in partnerships as a church with great ministry partners. And you have friends in your community groups, somebody sitting on a, on a row over from you right now that is involved in one of these great things. And we can do this together. We can do it alongside each other. There's so many legitimate ministries and avenues that will carry out the Great Commission and do good works that glorify God and, and, and how we can be Jesus' witnesses, as he says, and make disciples. But the challenge we all face is that, that you are made from dust, right? And so am I. We're finite. We, we have limited capacities in ourselves. We have limited amounts of energy. We're not gifted in all the same kinds of ways. So each one of us has limitations, but together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, approaching this as a team, we can experience God doing great things through us. So practically speaking at New Life, we can address a handful of things collectively as a whole church, as an organized effort. We can't commit to dozens and dozens of ministries, or we, we can't fund 35 different initiatives uh, as, a, as a central church-wide effort. We can't communicate effectively about all of that many things from a, from a central standpoint. We do some of those things as we're able, but it's almost unlimited what we can do. 
as each of us finds our fit, brings a friend along with us, and then we join that mission together collectively as a y'all kind of approach to all this. So if each of us, practically speaking, finds our piece of the puzzle, and we do then a handful of things church-wide at our church, and then Fellowship Asheville does the same, and then Reach Life does the same, and then Missio Day does the same, and then Biltmore and Brookstone, and then Hendersonville Church does the same, and then Clarkson International Bible Church does the same. Coastway Church in Myrtle Beach does the same. House churches in the Middle East do the same. If we approach it that way together, it's incredible what we can see, and it's incredible what we're a part of. So it's inward and it's outward as we go about God's mission. It's you and it's y'all. And then one last piece. Look back at Acts 1-8 one more time. Jesus says this, but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all. See, it it sounds normal now, doesn't it? Yeah. And y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So where were they to be as witnesses? If inward and outward shows us how, and you and y'all answers who, local and global can give us direction on the where. Here's how it says it in, in Acts. He says in Jerusalem, that's, that's simply where they were. It's, it's, it's where they were at the time, and it was the, the epicenter of Jewish culture and identity, and it's where the gospel started, but it was never meant just to stay there. It was to go out to the wider region called Judea, and, and that was people that were mostly like them in terms of culture, in terms of religious background, and, and just identity as a people. And then Samaria, which was a different region, which was the Samaritans were those, as you may know, who had intermarried with other nations, and over time they had developed a different culture, different, different places of worship, different practices of worship, and, and there was a, a lot of hatred, honestly, between the, Jew, the Jews and the Samaritans. But he said the gospel is to go there cross-culturally as well and to the end of the earth. No place too far, no people too different, witnessing to Jesus as the risen king to the remotest places and the remotest peoples of the world. And we see this theme of all peoples from Genesis to Revelation. This has always been God's plan. So we, we, can, we can slice that up in different ways and apply it to ourselves locally, regional, nationally, same culture, cross-culture, globally, very simply, very simply, we can say locally and globally, here and outside of here. And many of us will tend more towards one of those than the other. And, and there's valid reasons to emphasize either one of those sides. So someone might say that the needs overseas are so much greater, the physical needs, the spiritual needs, and that's true. They are, relatively speaking. But someone might say, well, yes, but God has placed us here. And that's true. That is absolutely true. And is the answer. There, there are unhelpful arguments. You might have heard it say, you've got to take care of your own backyard first. Okay, I, I grew up as a kid in northwest Florida, the Pensacola area, and I had a friend who was going on an international trip, and his, his dad wasn't super excited about it. He said, son, why do you want to go all the way over there when there's parts of Escambia County you haven't been to yet? And I, I started thinking, well, there's, there's rivers and there's woods and there's all kinds of stuff in Escambia County that I haven't seen yet. But that's not the way that Acts 1-8 guides us. See, it, it's, it's not a progression. First, Jerusalem, and then when all the needs are met there and every person is reached and everything is done, well, then you move on. That, that, that's not the way that he's setting it, this up here, not as a progression. It's, it's all of the above. It's and. It's, it's simultaneous. So you, you can't read the Bible and conclude that, that we don't need to be involved in reaching those who've never, ha- who've never heard, who've never had any access to the gospel. But you also can't read the Bible and conclude that we have no obligation to our neighbors right around us. It's both. It's and. And it's 
It's simultaneous. So some of us will be more directly engaged in our local area. Others will be more focused on the ends of the earth, but that doesn't mean that any of us neglects our neighbors. That doesn't mean that any of us neglects our responsibility as followers of Jesus to bring the gospel to people and to places where he's not even known at all. But if we do this together and we, we rely not on our strength, but on the power of God's spirit, I believe in five years or 10 years, we will be able to look back and say, look at all the great things that God has done in our midst and that he's done in our world that we've been able to be a part of it. So what do we do with all this? If, if, if you're here and New Life is your church home, there might be about 100 different things that could be an application for you or a good next step. Uh, maybe, maybe God has already been kind of pushing on your heart on a certain thing that, that is what you need to do. But let me mention just a few possibilities for what you can be part of as, as this local team here at New Life. Uh, first, here's a super practical uh, y'all local application, okay? So Serve Asheville is next, starting next weekend and going through the following weekend and all through that week. This is a 10-day effort with, with other local churches, and there are hundreds of opportunities to serve in our community with different ministry partners um, all through that week. And you can do that uh, yourself. You could do that with a friend, with your family. Community groups can do things together. Um, just go on the website and sign up. There's, there's all the info for that can be found at newlifesend.com or the missions tab on the app. We have all of that information. And one of the great things is this can be a, a one-time exposure that helps get you involved or, or even just aware of a certain ministry that exists. And those are all things that you can do consistently, ongoing, so that you can build relationships, so that you can have a longer-term impact beyond just that week. Um, so there's, there's no obligation for that, but that will give you a good exposure, a good taste of some different things. Secondly, let's talk about a y'all global application of Acts 1-8, okay? The, those are our mission teams. Uh, some of you guys know, I think, Will, are you in here? Will Kendall? There he is. Oh, he's way in the back. He, he just woke up. He's, he was on a, uh, a mission trip to Florida this last week. He, he and Daniel Fine were helping a, uh, a church in Tampa with a, a, a Haitian church with the construction of their worship space. And so there are some of those things that are starting to open up. That was with one of our mission partners, CWE, uh, there are other opportunities with mission partners that, Lord willing, as the, the uh, pandemic eases a little bit and travel opens up, that we'll be able to, to join partners in Clarkston, in Myrtle Beach, uh, in the Middle East, in Central Asia, those places, Latin America, uh, high schoolers on next summer, tentatively we have a, our, our trip to Czech Republic uh, set for that. So as, as those things open up, uh, we'll, we will have opportunities to go and serve alongside our national and global partners. So team members, you may not know this, our elders have set aside some funding to help offset some of those costs. So if you're a, 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 a member of New Life, if you're one of our team members and you apply to go on one of these teams, then there, there are some funds available to help offset those and make that a little bit more doable that as Lord willing, we ramp up in 2022. More immediately, tomorrow, tomorrow night, there's an opportunity to get a taste of global missions and missionary life. If you've ever wondered what that's like, our friends at the IMB, the International Mission Board, they put together a virtual mission trip to explore South Asia. So that would be India, Nepal, Bhutan, some, some of the countries right around in that region. Uh, so you see the, uh, on, on the screen, we have some of that information. That's also, uh, if you go to newlifesend.com uh, and click on mission trips, that information is there if you can't uh, get that down this morning. Uh, but all, all of that info is there. And so that would be a great way to get a little bit of exposure and just understand what is, what is this really like, okay? Thirdly, on, on that same page, you'll see a link to seven big dreams teams, 
Okay, if you've been around New Life the past couple of years, you know about our seven big dreams. These are seven specific goals that we have that we're pursuing over a five-year period as a church. So we'd love to, to build teams that are regularly praying for and communicating with and serving different, uh, different partners, church plants that we're partnering with. There's a team forming uh, right now. So, so Josh, who did a wonderful job with our circle up here, uh, he's, he's uh, going to be leading a team that's going, going to find a national church partner. So a church plant that's just getting off the ground that we want to be a lead partner in that effort with, with them. So there will be prayer, there will be researching, communicating with different church plant opportunities, and then finally narrowing into, hey, there's, here's a church plant that we're going to be partnered with for three, four, five years as they, Lord willing, get off the ground. So we'll have teams for uh, engaging with unreached peoples. We'll have teams that in next year we plan to have one that would launch with a third local school partnership, either a middle school or a high school uh, that, that we would partner with. Community groups that would take on a particular mission focus. So we, we want to continue to launch new community groups. And one way those can start is by identifying a mission focus that we want to center our group's life around this and doing this together. That's a way that, that you can be involved in these seven big dreams. So there's, there's lots of opportunities as we pursue these together. Again, that's on that website or on our app. Just click on missions and you'll see it. And the last thing you'll find there is the opportunity to give to the SEND missions offering, the SEND missions offering. Sometimes it's not what you're saying, sin, SEND offering. That's not what we're doing. That's in Leviticus. But Chris, Chris mentioned that last week. The SEND offering is what, what fuels these Acts 1-8 efforts. And, and we're asking you, if this is your church home, that you would be involved with yourself in, in these different ways, and then you would be involved in giving through the SEND offering. So serving and giving and then praying as we go along uh, involved in these. So whether you're able to, to do a little or a lot, whether you're able to give a little or a lot, we're asking you to consider as part of this church family uh, to participate in that together. So we've got special envelopes that are for that offering that you can pick up on the coffee bar. We'll have those out the next couple of weeks. And then on November 14th, three weeks from today, we'll, we'll take up that offering. We'll give that together as a church, and that will help fuel things for, for next year. So those are just a few of the ways that we can look at going together locally and globally to be his witnesses, to do the, the good news and doing good works that point to him uh, as we approach that together in a, in a y'all kind of way together, and as we do that locally and globally. Well, as we wrap up today, you may be here, and, and maybe a lot of that just sounds really unfamiliar to you. It might even sound crazy, and let me just encourage you, for a lot of us in this room, it sounded crazy at one point. And then we experienced new life in Jesus Christ. And the life that he gives us, we have a, a life-changing message that, that we intend to share. And we don't mean to come across as, as pushy or judgmental or any of those things. If you felt that, let, let me be a voice for, for all of us. We're sorry. We, we, we hope that that has not been your experience. If so, we have misrepresented Jesus and who he really is. But we do believe that we have a life-changing message that he has asked us to share. And it really is good news for the whole world. And we have a great God who we believe is worthy to be worshiped as we've sung to him this morning, as, we, as we've looked at his word and how we center our lives around him. And, and we just believe that is the best way to live. It's the best way to, to connect with our creator and in, 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 a, in a way that we are his children as well as his followers and those who worship him. So we'd love to share more about that with you. Maybe you came with a friend today. If you didn't and you'd love to, to, to chat with somebody, we'll have some people up front afterwards who would love to share more about that with you, pray with you. If you're online with us, our chat host uh, would love to, to talk more about that with you. So we'd love to share 
about the, the difference that Jesus Christ has made in our life and the difference he can make in your life as well. So you can be, become a participant and part of the y'all with this, this mission that he's given us. So as we close today, the band is going to come and, uh, and we're going to sing one last song together. But let me pray for us. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, um, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for just the incredible story that we can read four different versions of, of, of your son's life on this earth and his death and his resurrection. And we thank you for the story of Acts and how, um, and how we see your followers uh, carrying this out. And, and we are, are humbled. We're, we're overwhelmed in a sense, but we're also humbled that we get to be a part of this. And I just pray that for each and every one of us in this room that you would show, show us uh, what's the right next move for us, what we need to get involved in, how do we need to pray differently, how do we need to relate to you differently, how do we need to read your word differently. Help us to see what you're calling each of us to and, and help us to do this well as a church, striving for that, that unity and that love for each other and, and just uh, the, the, the beautiful family that you put together, but also not to make that an end in itself, but, but to move outward toward the world with so many needs and so many that who are, are lost without you. And so we just ask you for your help, for your continued empowerment by your spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Church, would you stand and let's sing together.